In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among them, and blessed the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and enkindle within us the fire of your divine love. Send forth your spirit, and they shall be created. Let us pray. O God, who did instruct the hearts of your faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us that by the same Spirit we may be truly wise, and ever rejoice in his consolation through the same Christ our Lord. O Lady Fatima, St. Joseph, Father Bernalan Terry, St. Nasha Loyola, all God's angels and saints, in the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Well, good afternoon. There was an award-winning movie that came out in the early 80s that hopefully you'll be able to see, if you haven't seen it already, uh, based on the Olympic Games that took place in the early 20s in France. And the name of the movie is called Chariots of Fire. Have any of you ever seen Chariots of Fire? What'd you think? Did you like it? Great movie. And uh, I'd like to just summarize one of the scenes uh, related to the spiritual exercises, because Ignatius calls these spiritual exercises. And this uh, movie is based on runners from England as well as Scotland arriving at the Olympic Games in France in the early 20s. And the protagonist is Eric Little, who's the fastest man in Scotland, who runs the 100 as well as the, the 400. So, before arriving at the Olympic Games, he's running the 440. I used to run cross-country when I was younger, no? So the 440, if you know anything about running, would be running one lap around, so it's a quarter of a mile. So today it would be considered a sprint, okay? a sprint. So there he is uh, on the starting line with another three runners, and ready, set, go, boom! They take off. And he's running side by side with another runner next to him. And you see within about 10 yards, the other runner falls to the ground. Losing a few seconds. Now you might say big deal, a few seconds, but often these, these runs are won by a tenth of a second. So he lost a couple of seconds. What would you do? Throw in the towel? He decided to get up. And he ran 
and ran and ran and ran and passed one and passed the second. And the guy that knocked him down, he caught up to him and beat him by a tenth of a second. Then he collapsed. <gasps> Remember that scene? <gasps> Great scene. That's symbolic of our lives. We are running the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. We are going to fall down. We're going to fall down. Get up. Get up. My founder, one of the most famous phrases of the Oblates is nunc cepi. Nunc cepi. And if you had one of the Oblates priests preach to you, Father John Paul or Father Greg Clinton, you probably heard that five times. Nunc cepi, which means, now I begin. Now I begin. You know, the worst thing after sin is to give in to discouragement. And I think all of us are prone to give in to discouragement. Hello? Isn't that true? And that's the worst thing after sin itself is to give in to discouragement and to give in to desolation. So we have to fight against our desolation. So if you fall, get up. Now the tendency right now in this juncture of the exercises is to let your hair down and to basically coast and to float from the streams of the Nevada River <laughs> or the Mississippi River, huh? Hey, the best, the best graces are still in store for you if you want them. Yeah. The best graces are still in store for you if you want them. The, tr- the retreat, my friends, it's not over yet. Don't start packing your bags yet, huh? It's not over yet. So, gun it. If up to this point you've been dragging your feet, <laughs> gun it. Put it on fast, okay? If it's been slow, put it on fast. Give yourself to God because God has still many graces in store for you. And if you had a couple of lousy meditations or you've been taking a siesta during the meditation, well, let's, uh, let's try to give the Lord... Our hearts. You know, I like uh, I like baseball. I, I played baseball at Villanova the first year, so I know I know the sport pretty well. It's the only sport in which you look at it ten times. You fail, 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 fail. Good, good, good. You're going to be the best batter in baseball. Yeah. Know anything about baseball? Anything about baseball? Yeah. If you get, if you go three for ten, you get three hundred. Look at the stats after the retreat. You're going to see very few people that are hitting over three hundred. That means they failed seven out of ten. So if I get up, if I get up, and I strike out, oh, I'm a loser. I'm going to strike out again. You're never going to get out of little league baseball, huh? You never get a Lily baseball. But the best players, I struck out next one, I'm going to get a hit and maybe even a home run. 
And it happens. It's called the power of positive thinking. Norman Vincent Peale. But for us, it's the virtue of hope. It's the virtue of hope. So, what I'd like to do uh, this session is I'd like to just finish up in the rules for discernment related to the two standards, then move into the other Ignatian classics. All right. In those 14 rules, okay, you have the the presence of the enemy, who's the devil, present in all the rules. But some of the rules are more, more explicit. Okay, if there's anything that I want you to take home on these rules, is what I'm going to tell you now. Are you listening? <laughs> okay. Rule three and four are, are what are called descriptive rules. They're the easiest rules to understand because they're descriptive rules. You remember when you're learning how to write, they say one of the easiest ways to write is to write descriptive narratives, describing something. Remember that? Second grade, huh? So you have a descriptive rule, and one of them is that of desolation. What is desolation? Desolation is in when you feel, you feel sad, you feel depressed, you feel discouraged, there's a lack of faith, a lack of hope, a lack of love. You feel like giving up. You feel like throwing the towel in. You feel that no one seems to understand you. No one seems to understand me. No one seems to really care about me. My life is a drag. Okay? okay? Now life is a drag. It is. So no, no purpose. You know who goes through that? Everyone on planet Earth. It's Father Tim Gallagher who speaks, speaking about this the past 25 years on EWTN. He's one of the oblates, no? He says you shouldn't be ashamed of the fact that you have desolation. That's part and parcel of existence. So all of us are going to go through the dark valley as we pray in Psalm 23. Even though they'll go through the dark valley, you are there with with me, with your, your rod and your staff. So, desolation is a state that we all go through. All of us. And even in during this retreat, all of you have experienced, uh, hopefully a little bit of consolation, but all of you have experienced some desolation too. And if you're in spiritual direction, if you want to do spiritual direction, that's one of the things you talk about in the dynamics of Ignatian spiritual direction, the movements of your heart. Are you in desolation? Are you in consolation? Okay, so now you understand what desolation is, right? Hello? You have to understand. You don't understand desolation, you're missing part of this retreat. Okay? You have to know what it is. So that's the fourth rule, and the third the third rule is consolation, right before it. And consolation you feel peace and joy and happiness and you, you feel 
drawn to spiritual things. It's almost like there's a spiritual springtime blossoming and flourishing within the depths of your soul. Okay? So consolation and desolation are, are the two opposite. They're opposite poles. Now these rules will teach us these rules will teach us what to do in desolation and what not to do. Please try to get to know these rules. And these will be tools you'll be able to use the rest of your life. And I would say, teach your children. I can teach teenagers this. I can teach children this. Getting down to their level, giving them very simple stories. Because, you know, a nine-year-old child goes through desolation too. He doesn't know what it is. But he goes through desolation. Also, he's got consolation. So this is, it's a universal, it's a universal state of soul for everyone who lives on planet Earth. Okay, so there you, there you have the two descriptive rules of what consolation and desolation is. Got it? Okay. Then, the next rule is this. And usually, those who make the retreats, this is the rule they always remember ten years later. Okay, when you're in the state of desolation, can you finish it? Make no changes in your spiritual life. You're going to remember that ten years from today. It's key. When you're in desolation, no, don't make any changes in your spiritual life. Now, going back to the enemy, the devil. Okay, when okay when you're in desolation, that's when the devil's going to attack you. Take that for granted. I repeat, when you're in desolation, that's when the devil will tempt you. You can leave this retreat understanding that one idea, it's a successful retreat. And you try to apply that to your daily life. When you're in desolation, desolation, you're going to be tempted by the devil. So the fifth rule is, don't make any changes in your in your spiritual your spiritual activities. Don't make any changes. Because that's what the devil wants you to do. You're in desolation. You know, give up your prayer life. Okay. You got up this morning with a little bit of desolation. You had planned, or you planned to get up at six and spend an hour, okay, an hour before breakfast. Okay, you're in desolation. You get up. Oh, I feel, I kind of got a headache. I feel kind of sad. Well, I'll sleep an extra hour. That's the devil. Yeah, it's the devil. Yeah. And the devil probably won some of you on that. Just recognize it. You had thoughts. Well, I kind of got a headache. I don't really feel good. I've got a stomach ache. Uh, you know, it's kind of humid. Uh, I get the whole, I 
get the whole day to pray. You know? So I'll just, I'll just skip that, that first hour. That was the devil. <laughs> then when I talked about Adam and Eve with the serpent, that was the serpent speaking to you. When you bit into the apple. <laughs> so if you come to spiritual direction with me, I'll talk about this. Was that the good spirit or the bad spirit to stay in bed? Didn't, I teach, didn't you meditate upon the capital sin of sloth? Or did you forget about that one? It's, it's spiritual warfare, my friends. So what should you have done? Instead of spending an hour, you should have spent an hour and ten minutes. Amen? That's Ignatius. Overcome the devil by, by doing the exact opposite. And even more. So, when you're in desolation, that's when the enemy will attack you. And often through, through specious, fallacious reasoning. You see what the devil was doing? He was talking to you. He was saying, no, you're, you're kind of tired. You've got to get your beauty rest. Come on, no. You've got to rest. Because it's going to be a long day. And you bit into, you, you bit into the apple... Very, very important. That's the rule that everyone remembers ten years later. Not to say it is the most important, but it is an important part of those rules. In the state of desolation, make no changes. You got it? Okay, that's, that's the fifth rule. What's the sixth rule? Can I throw a little bit, a little bit of Latin at you? It's the rule of agere contra. The rule of agere contra. What does that mean? Okay, the sixth rule is we want to fight against the desolation. Now, if you if you don't fight against desolation and you give in to it, it can wreak havoc within your lives. Okay, let me, we've got some teachers here, some professionals. We've never had in the history of the country so many young people having recourse to suicide. You know that. If not, a lot of them are doing it. And some of them, they're cutting themselves. They're suffering depression. Many young people will commit suicide because they're in a state of desolation. Because some of you deal with young people. So do I. And they're caved in upon their safe and the desolation becoming stronger and stronger. And what, what does the devil do? Convinces them, just end it. What's the purpose? What's the purpose? It's better for me to be dead than to be living. That's what the, that's what the devil says to them. You're a loser. What's the purpose of living? You're born a loser, you're a loser, you'll always be a loser. These are the words of the devil. And he keeps repeating them upon the young people. And they arrive at a certain point, well, why should I even live? 
What's the purpose? So you're dealing with young people. See if you can apply these rules in helping our young people. Hey, we've got to help the young people. I pray for the, for the spirit of St. John Bosco. I do. I've dealt with thousands of young people. All the parents want me to be the confirmation teacher for the young people. They love to do it, no? They love to do it. I love working with young guys, no? Okay, so the sixth rule, the agere contra, to do, to react intensely against the desolation, you got to fight against it. You can't just sit back and allow it to overwhelm you. Don't do that. Fight back. Okay, imagine a boxer that goes out a boxing and he puts down his dukes and he just looks, looks what's going to happen? A knockout within 10 seconds. Swift, swift uppercut. Huh? There he is, lying down on the ground, a knockout. <laughs> We're fighting, not against flesh and blood, but against bad spirits, as St. Paul mentions. Not flesh and blood, against the evil spirits. Yeah. And they're much more intelligent than we are. Yeah. So in that, in that sixth rule... Still talking about the Ajade Contra. Ignatius, Ignatius gives us four things that we should do. Four things to do to fight against the bad spirit. To conquer the desolation. Still listening? Okay. Write them down. Yeah. Memorize them. So in the state of desolation, the first thing Ignatius says is you've got to pray. You gotta pray. Never give up prayer. Never, never give up prayer. You give up prayer, you're lost. Saint Alphonsus Liguri, you ever hear of Saint Alphonsus? He says, He who prays well will be saved, he who does not pray will be damned. Saint Alphonsus, doctor of the church, not Father Broom. <laughs> And I love the way Augustine says it in poetic words. He who prays well, lives well. He who lives well, dies well. He who dies well, all is well. Amen. <laughs> like that? He who prays well, lives well. He who lives well, dies well. He who dies well, all is well. Amen? Yeah. He who prays well, lives well. He who lives well, dies well. He who dies well, all is well. So let me give you a contrast between those who pray in desolation and don't, those who don't pray in desolation. I'm going to give you, I believe, the best, the best passage in the Bible to understand the importance of prayer. And it happens to be the first sorrowful mystery. What do we have in that? What's the first sorrowful mystery? Okay, was Jesus in a state of consolation or desolation? Was it a small desolation or an intense desolation? Fulton Sheen 
says that all of the sins of the world were descending upon him like a torrential downpour of rain. All of the sins of the world. From Adam and Eve, all the sins. So you can imagine him being in desolation, huh? And what does he do? He goes to his place of prayer, which is in the Garden of Olives. That was his habitual place of prayer. And he goes with his three best friends. You know, Jesus had three best friends. Did you know that? It was Peter, James, and John. Who are his two best friends? Peter and John. Who is his best friend? St. John. Hopefully all of you are going to be St. John by the end of this retreat. Amen? I'll pray that all of you are going to be St. John. I want to be a St. John. I do. I'm a priest. I want to be a St. John. I prayed that more than once. I want to be the new St. John. Yeah. Yeah. I want it. Okay. Are the apostles in desolation? Yes. A very prof- They're in desolation too. Not as deep as their Lord, but they're in desolation. Because they've never seen Jesus so, so sorrowful. He's always been in command of the situation. But now, Jesus is there, and the apostles are there, aware of the, the fact that their friend Jesus, he's got some problems. What? Okay, look at the contrast. What does Jesus do? What do the apostles do? Very marked literary contrast, huh? The apostles. Jesus says, stay awake and pray. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. How do they respond to that? How's my Spanish? <laughs> Fell asleep. He wakes him up. Wake. The spirit is willing, his flesh and weak. And he, they fall asleep second time. He sees them, they fall asleep three times. When Jesus needed most consolation and friendship, they bailed out on him. They collapsed. They, they gave in to desolation. They gave in to desolation. What about Jesus? If you want to learn how to pray, this is one of the best examples of prayer in the whole Bible. Jesus went and he prayed. And he said, he said one prayer three times. It was the same prayer. What was it? Abba, Father, if it be possible, remove this chalice from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. He said that prayer three times. And then he, he, looked, he looks at his best friends taking their siesta. That must have hurt. That must have hurt. I mean, he had, he had a human heart, right? He had feelings, didn't he? How do you feel when people betray you? They leave you in the lurch. It hurts. We've all been abandoned by people, betrayed by people. We all have. 
I have and you have too. It hurts. And then it says that Jesus prayed even more intensely. Here you have one of the most fervent prayers of Jesus in the whole gospel. When he finds himself in a profound desolation in which all the sins of humanity, my sins and your sins too, were descending upon him like a torrential downpour of rain. And then, any doctors or nurses here? He starts to sweat. But he starts to sweat blood. Read the book, The Doctor of Calvary. Explaining all these different details that he went through. This happened very rarely when people under great pressure, like in the concentration camp, and afterward paralyzed and some would die because of the pores opening up and an intense draining of blood occurred. And then what happens? They fall asleep and Jesus, God the Father sends Jesus a guardian angel. You know who that guardian angel is? That's supposed to be every one of you. As you end this retreat, be the guardian angel. You hear me? Be the garden angel. Draw close to Jesus and don't be afraid to give him, 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 him a hug. Do it. We pray too much with our heads. We've got to pray with our hearts and our emotions too. Learn from the Italians. <laughs> Learn from the Italians. <laughs> yes. Learn to embrace the Lord. Tell the Lord how much you love him. Console him. Comfort him. Say you want to be his best friend. So there's the model of prayer and desolation. And, okay, the apostles fell asleep. And what happened? Judas comes. Jesus is arrested. And where do the apostles go? They run the 100 and about 9.5. They break a record running away from Jesus. What does Peter do? Takes a sword and he cuts off Malchus's ear. He's a good fisherman, but he's a lousy swordsman, right? (laughs) But look, Jesus, Jesus was drinking the dregs of that chalice. And by that fervent prayer, God the Father gave him the grace to go to Calvary and to be crucified for our salvation. That gave him the, that gave him the power and the grace to be able to carry his cross. How are you going to carry your cross if you don't pray? Forget it. It's a lost cause. Forget it. But if you do pray, you can carry the cross because God's going to be carrying 95%. You carry the 5%. Complaining with that, huh? Now look at your life. You're going to see a a mathematical proof. Much prayer, less sin. 
Little prayer, a lot of sin. You can prove it mathematically. Any math majors here? Mathematically can prove it. A lot of prayer, a lot of trials, a lot of crosses, a lot of setbacks, a lot of attacks, but you got the power to resist. But you give up prayer, you fall into the clutches of the devil, the flesh, and the world. And we become slaves of sin. So that's the first... We're going through the rules for discernment. We're going through already the sixth rule. I'm going through the sixth rule in detail. Fifth rule is don't give up. Don't make any changes. Now the sixth rule is the agere contra, in which Ignatius suggested three activities. And the first is prayer. The second is meditation. Why are we here these four days? Because we want to apply ourselves to meditation. We want to do some mental prayer. We want to do our spiritual exercises. You cannot complain that I haven't given you enough material, right? I, you can complain about a lot of things, but you can't complain that I've given you a whole Ignatian library and it's not over yet, okay? You'll be able to give your own exercises after you finish with this retreat. But Ignatius says, meditate. I'm challenging all of you now, as we're heading toward the last day of the retreat, make this proposal a daily holy hour. You hear me? I didn't say daily happy hour. <laughs> you know the difference? <laughs> I didn't say daily happy hour, no. A whole uh, highball and a martini, no. But rather, the daily holy hour. Fulton Sheen calls it the hour of power. The hour of power. Did you know that Fulton Sheen According to canon law, the bishop has to send in his letter of demission of retirement at 75. Did you know that? And then usually the Pope will say, okay, you can retire. So Fulton Sheen sent in his letter of resignation at 75. He was uh, Archbishop of Rochester, New York. So he's going to die at 84. Do you think he's going to be spending the rest of his life playing golf and playing bridge? No way, Jose. The, the last part of his life, what did he do? Do you know? Giving retreats to priests and bishops. Yeah. The most, I think the most important group. Convert the priests and the bishops. Amen? Yeah. And he would give retreats to priests and bishops. He'd have one proposal. What do you think it was? I've already mentioned ten times. The holy hour. The holy hour. I gave a retreat to all the seminarians and priests, the seminarians in L.A. online a couple of years ago, and I gave two talks online. Guess what it was? Love Mary and make your holy hour. These are the future priests of L.A. That was my, my two talks. <laughs> my two talks. Love Mary. It was on the Immaculate Conception. Make your holy hour. We become good priests. So Fulton Sheen, when he was giving retreats to priests and bishops, he was blunt. He said, when you preach and teach, 
Sometimes they don't listen to you. But when I preach and teach, they listen to me. Why the hour of power? The hour of power. And he was challenging the priests and the bishops, make sure you make a daily holy hour and you'll be able to convert your people. First come, then go. Remember that? First come, then go. So to overcome desolation, you got to pray and then meditate. Do your holy hour. Give the Lord that hour. You're going to say, it's too much, Father. How many hours in the day? 24. One hour. What is it? I'm not good at math. 6% of the day? 6.5%? About that, right? Can't you give the, can't you give the Lord? One hour. Okay, one hour of 24. If you look at it mathematically, one hour of 24, it's really not that much. Give the Lord the holy hour. And he'll bless you the rest of the day. And he'll give you heaven one day. I promise you. One day you'll have heaven. It's worth it, isn't it? Don't look at me with pessimistic eyes. You can do it. <laughs> Don't be so cynical. You can do it. Don't have low self-esteem in your spiritual life. You can do it. Don't, uh, don't underestimate the saint that's within you. Don't ask, underestimate. It can be done. And you got one life to live. Let's work hard in this life and rest in heaven. Amen? Work hard now. Rest forever in heaven. One St. Robert Bellarmine was working really hard and someone said, slow down, you're going to wear out. And he said, I will slow down only once I get to heaven. St. John Bosco was working so hard and he said, they said, slow down. And he said, I will slow down when the devil goes on vacation. <laughs> the devil never goes on vacation, right? So there you have the third... The third uh, rule within rule six. I'm, I'm sorry, the second. Now the third is this. St. Ignatius says, examine, okay, examine your conscience to see why you have that desolation. So rewind the film of your life and see when it came on you. Rewind the film and see, uh-huh, I've been in desolation. And the Holy Spirit is going to zoom, zoom in and probably pinpoint certain things you're doing that God doesn't want you to do. Yeah. Uh, so you rewind the past 24 hours. Ah, okay. Now, as Father Broom said, I skipped my early holy hour. Okay, I, 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 I got it, Lord, I got it. Okay, yeah. Yeah, the 
father said at the beginning not, not to be talking. I was talking with my room and roommate until one o'clock, walking down the street. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ah, okay, yeah. I give in to gossip. Okay, yeah, I know I've got to overcome that. I know, oh boy. Father Broom gave us the capital sins. I went overboard at the table the other night. I know, Lord. And I brought the chocolate chip cookies into my room. With a Miller Time beer. It's Miller Time, okay? Yeah. I gave in to gluttony. So now, what I'm saying to you is what the Holy Spirit's going to reveal to you. In one way or another. <laughs> yeah. See, self-knowledge is tough because we don't want to, we don't want to give up our, our bad habits, no? We want to cling to them. And if I want to give you, I want to give you two fistfuls of diamonds. If you've got sawdust in your hands, you've got to open up, relinquish the sawdust, I'll give you diamonds. We tend to cling to insignificant things that aren't worth, as they say in New York, a hill of beans. So, the examination of conscience. And we hadn't have... We haven't had enough time to explain it, but all of you should get in the habit of making a daily examine. Okay? Give yourself eight to ten minutes. Go through the day to see where God is present and where we're walking away from God. Where God sends us inspirations and we say no. Or where God sends us inspiration and we say yes. When St. Ignatius sent Francis Xavier to uh, to Goa, to India. He said, go set all on fire. But he said, never, never skip the daily exam. And that was what he said before he sent them off from Portugal to Goa. Never skip that prayer, the, the daily exam. So already you're writing proposals, make sure that you make a daily exam. Okay, then... This is still rule six. The last thing that Ignatius says is to add some suitable penance. That's a word that has been lost in spiritual vocabulary the past 50 years. (laughs) Penance. Jesus says, some devils can be cast out only by prayer and fasting. You ever hear that one? And that's, that's Jesus, right? Some devils can be cast out only by prayer and penance. Jesus also said, unless you do penance, you will perish. Those are strong words. Know what that means? That's Jesus, not Father Boom. <laughs> Lest we do penance, we will perish. Tell you a story. Uh, uh, we as priests, uh, we have a lot of responsibilities, probably many more than you. Okay, uh, We have probably ten times more stress than you have as a priest. Okay? 
So it's good for us to unwind a little bit. So on one occasion I was taking a walk in the park uh, nearby the parish, getting some air. Nice spring day. And uh, I noticed that when I was walking, there was a, a black bird walking in front of me. As we say in New York, a uh, black boyd. Okay. Every other story, there was a there was a, a, a nun that had a little boy in his class, and the the little boy said, "Sister, sister, look at look over there. Look at the boyd. Look at the boyd. Look at the boyd." And the sister wanted him to speak proper English. She said, "Johnny, that's not a boyd. That's a bird." He said, well, it certainly choips like a boy. <laughs> you want me to speak like a New Yorker? To you? <laughs> it certainly choips like a boy, sister. <laughs> so he's taking the walk. Let's talk like a Californian now, okay? Taking the walk, and I saw this blackbird, this crow, walking in front of me. And guess what? It didn't fly. I thought maybe I have a, a latent Franciscan charism within me. Maybe I was called to be a Franciscan, not an oblate. Huh? So I was walking. It didn't fly. Wow, what a gift. But to my chagrin, it did not fly. Not so much because of my Franciscan charism, but because it had a broken wing. <laughs> and then I got closer, and then a, a whole flock of crows were descending upon me, and I flew away <laughs> to defend their, their little crow. But this was my reflection. We are like, we are like that crow. We're like that bird. We want to fly in the spiritual life? You can't fly with one wing. When I fly out of the Omaha, Omaha airport, I surely hope that that plane has two wings. Huh? <laughs> can't fly with one wing. Got to have two. So it is, my friends, in our spiritual life. In our spiritual lives, if we want to fly and soar into the heights, we have to have two wings. And those wings are prayer and penance. I'm sure you didn't want to hear that, but that's the way the cookie crumbles. <laughs> we have to have prayer and we have to have penance. You mothers, one of the best things you can do is help your children to live out Lent by practicing penance, to fortify their will. Okay, you got some mothers here. No? You want to fortify the wills of your children? Get them to pray. But get them to practice penance to fortify their spiritual lives. So, welcome to the spiritual combat society. So my friends, desolation, desolation, you're all going to go through it. 
You're all going to go through it. Take that for granted. As part of living. Well, you really feel, you feel sad. You feel sad. But remember, remember the two following rules. Okay? Rule four is desolation. The descriptive rule. Rule four is never make changes when you find yourself in the state of desolation. Never make changes in your spiritual practices. And rule six, the agere contra, to go against the desolation by the practice of three specific activities. You got to pray. The example of Jesus in the garden. Remember him. You got to pray. Pray fervently like Jesus. You got to meditate. Your holy hour, not your happy hour. Okay? You got to examine your conscience. You see what's bringing upon you this desolation. And then do some suitable penance. I'd like to add, add, I'd like to add one more, then we'll conclude, even though Ignatius doesn't have this. And it's this. On a personal note, if I'm in desolation, I always turn to Mary. Hopefully, you'll turn to Mary. I love the prayer. What was the greatest book ever written on Mary in the world? People don't love Mary, do you? It's called The Glories of Mary by St. Alphonse Liguori. You know what that is? It's a commentary on the Hail Holy Queen. You read that, that will blow you away. That will blow you out of the water. And you will fall in love with the Blessed Virgin Mary. He comments that prayer, the Hail Holy Queen. And these are the words can give us great consolation. The Hail Holy Queen. Hail Holy Queen, Mother Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. So in the midst of the desolation you experience, run to Mary. As Juan Diego did. Run to Mary. And find refuge in the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And she'll pull you from desolation to consolation. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen.